How much do you think a unit grows in capital value compared to a house? Hi, I'm Sam Powell. And I'm Jared Krause, and we're the hosts of the Property Pals Australia podcast. And in this episode, we're discussing some recently released data on the growth rates of units versus houses in Australia that you really need to know as a property investor. Yeah, we also discussed understanding the opportunity cost of buying local or somewhere else in Australia before you even decide to part ways with your money. Yeah, I like it how we were able to also break down which is a better investment, buying a house or actually buying a unit in Australia. Yeah, there's some really good examples that we share of when to buy houses and when to buy units in your property portfolio. We also discussed some recent examples of high capital growth opportunities that have happened in Australia that you could also tap into when you get your investment strategy right. Now, before we get stuck in this podcast episode, obviously we're talking about investing in property and buying a property and to do that you want to get the maximum amount of borrowing capacity you can from your broker how we help people do that is with our mini course on how to maximize your borrowing capacity if you want that head to propertypals.au forward slash resources grab this tool and help yourself buy a superior asset and achieve a better roi get that at propertypals.au forward slash resources and there'll be a link in the description too Welcome to Property Pals, the podcast where we share everything around how to build a property portfolio from researching areas, financing, structuring, buying, selling, and reinvesting to live a life of financial independence. As a disclaimer, any information shared by myself, Jared, Sam, and the Property Pals team is strictly general and should not be taken as constituting professional advice. You should consider seeking independent legal financial and taxation advice from a qualified professional. Houses and units, let's go. Yes, it's a uh, common question that will, people go through in their minds. I know I went through it um, in the investing journey or even in the owner-occupier journey, you know, which is best, it's a common question. Yeah, and it's a. It depends on where you're at in your journey, right? Like it's like well, I guess we should start from somebody starting a fresh portfolio, and sort of identify like what their goals is with their portfolio in say ten years time, because that will help then determine like there's so many variables on like when you should buy a house, when you should buy a unit, at what stage of your property portfolio, like. Property number two, three, four, five, six, seven. Should it be a house property? I mean, a house unit, or um, yeah, like there's so many variables. So, yes, so where, where should we start? Like, what's the most common? You know, you speak to a lot of a lot of these guys, and they're like, they want what a couple hundred k or hundred k passive income in ten years. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's always the goal, isn't it? Um, okay, it's definitely achievable. It's as we mentioned in previous podcasts. It's um, a more active strategy. And mm. everyone's different, but um, often people are just discussing. Well, you know, do I buy this house in you know, the further outskirts of my town, or do I buy the unit in the area that you know everyone wants to live? Um, because there's that scarcity factor of being close to the beach, as a classic example here on the Gold Coast. Mm-hmm. And um, my answer to that is, well, I don't just look on a Gold Coast base; I look at Australia wide. So. Um, there's a there's a few statistics around units and houses which we'll cover just to sort of paint that picture around it because the ultimate goal in any portfolio is 
cash flow and capital growth. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Capital growth, well, it depends on how fast you want to grow, right? I'm capital growth at the start and then I'm going to be cash flow towards the tail end-ish yes. of it. Yeah, well, generally capital growth is always the key um, for me. Like Everyone should be aiming for capital growth, but cash flow is what helps you you know, get to that financial independence, right? Also, cash flow helps you continue going to, hey, because like if you buy, say, like three properties at 90% LBR and they're all sort of like kind of negatively geared and you're like, you've got the money to put into them like maybe 100 bucks each week. So you're spending 300 bucks a week to keep these properties going and they're growing in capital growth, but it's not going to help you as much as something that's getting a little bit of cash. Like one of those is getting a little bit of cash from, say, a unit that's going to help you get borrowing capacity to go again, right? Yeah, I call it the sweet spot, mm-hmm. which is capital growth and cash flow. Everyone's got their own little terminology for it. This is mine. I came up with it this week because I was trying to put some content around for a media piece. But yeah, um, yeah. yeah. A sweet spot. It reminds me of the surfboard. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> our mate Parker, he's got a sweet spot. It's a surfboard. Oh, model. <laughs> well, if you listen to this, Parker, I wasn't thinking of you when I thought of the sweet spot. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to it. Um, yeah. Houses are all units. So uh, a recent article actually came out from Domain um, and they actually looked into you know, the, a lot of statistics around how houses have performed against units. Mm. So mm. let's go through some stats, some figures. Uh, <laughs> okay. So at the top, I guess. Yeah, well, there's a the first point that was echoed on mind was they were measuring, you know, the length of tenure, so that means how long people are holding things for. Uh, houses, on average, are held one to four years longer than units, um, and that's one to four is based on all the major capital cities. But for the you know, the average, it's around that three-year mark for you know, an additional uh, tenure. Okay, so people typically hold houses for one to four years longer Yes, than a unit. Yeah. Okay. So... What would I look at that and go, well, you know, as a uh, you know, livability perspective, people are more aspirational towards the houses, so they're less transactional, there's more scarcity, so therefore, that's what I'm always hunting for in, a, in a, an investment is, is scarcity. Mm, that's a good point. That's a really good point. And investing. Yeah. Well, that's you know, supply-demand metrics, right? So yeah. Everything comes back to supply and demand, which is sounds pretty simple and boring, but it's yeah, <laughs> and then you start... Digging further and further and realize it's a lot more complex. But yeah. why the supply and the, the demand is actually like that. And the reason here, like you said before, is because they're homes and people typically want to stay in a house longer than they want to stay in, say, a unit. Yes. Yeah. yeah like Makes uh, sense. There's always the... More living area, just be more comfortable. Yeah. My wife and I have a discussion, you know, do we move to a unit on the beach? And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, stay in our house and... It's a good chat yeah. to have with the family. Well, for it's us, because we've got little kids, I mean, I don't get me wrong, I, I, my preference for me just as a personal preference would be to be on the beach because I can check the surf and go out the front. Yeah. Uh, but I've got two kids and the joy that we get from watching them, you know, like, well, one, we don't really want them in the house all the time. Uh, we mm. want them, but we want to be able to see them, right? Yeah, so that's what I mean. Like if you were to go and live in the unit, you would be able to take them to the beach every day, but then you'd have to leave your 
unit every day. Whereas you got your backyard with like the play sets and the veggie garden and <laughs> all the whole stuff all, you accumulate. Yeah, the, all the stuff, right? But oh. it's like it's all there. You oh. know, you've built your own like little city. <laughs> it's environment. A little play center. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Like we were before I obviously got married and had kids, I was very similar to Jared where, you know, we just didn't like having things because it held us not not held us back, but it was just difficult for us to yeah, just pack up and free. leave. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And now I'm <laughs> coming doing the mental shift where it's just I don't need to be traveling around and moving different locations to different countries anymore because I want to be in a base for the family. But yeah, you want to spend your time with the kids while they're young. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And anyway, so come to the conclusion that the beachfront can wait. I'm only, only 34. I'll um, keep the backyard. I think it's <laughs> I think it's a relevant point for us to talk about this because this is the natural way that people regress through their life is they get to a point that they have kids like like ninety percent of the world, maybe more, ninety-five percent of the world, um, as they you know find a partner, if they get married, they're gonna you know get a place together and get kids, and they're gonna want to stay in a house longer. I know people that are living in a unit, you know, in my block here, and they do it and they love it, but I'm sure they would prefer a house, right? So it's definitely that preference of more houses are staying off the market longer than say units because people enjoy staying in them and that's where most of the people are heading to that's where most people's goals are between 25 to 40 is you know having having family so mm. there's the stats with that what other stats have we got oh another one this is a really key one because obviously we're talking about capital growth right like that's that's the, a major goal for any portfolio in sydney um and obviously cities you know, just a, a, an area, but it is a major capital city in Australia, and a lot of the data from there expands out to the rest of Australia. But in Sydney, the um, capital growth rate for houses from 2013 till present, 2023, it was 122%. So, you know, growth rate. So, you know, reasonably good growth rate from that on a median basis. Um, units in comparison. Whilst it was, you know, for the the data was collected from twenty fifteen, so two years less, mm. but the growth rate for units from twenty fifteen to now was only eleven percent. Oh, that's massive. Mm. Let's also put a big disclaimer out there on this: that this is one area in Australia, and yes. that's Sydney, and that's where most of the data, Melbourne and Sydney, where most of the data is obviously reported, right? And that's not all of Australia. So 122% growth rate in houses and then 11% growth rate for units. units in Sydney. Other areas, I'm sure Brisbane's different. I'm sure Melbourne's different. Perth's different. And then you've got other areas within those areas as well. So don't think that's like just across the board, but it's very, you know, I would assume that most places in Australia have a similar similar amount of like similar stats or at least knowing that it's highly likely from what we said with the tenure of the houses that the growth rate of houses is going to be more so than a unit in probably most places in Australia. Yeah. Would you would you assume the same? Yeah, and like the well, data based on the data that you know you're looking at way more data each day than me. Yeah, the data's always skewed, right? Yeah. Uh, I'll throw another um, stat out there to you shortly, but I just wanted to stay on this point for a bit. Mm -hmm. It's 
um, units that can be recreated. So you, you, your definition of a unit, like you can knock down a house and build you know, two duplexes and those are considered units because mm-hmm. they're strata title. Mm-hmm. Um, you can build more townhouses. You could knock down townhouses to build a whole unit complex. Mm-hmm. So the pressure, the downward pressure on units from a data point is always there. Such a good point because you can always create more units more easily than creating or building a house because you need a bit more land for a house Correct. than a home. Correct. Wow, that's and cool. it's more profitable as a developer to, like, to increase the density of the site mm-hmm. based on the zoning. Which and means more unit, more units coming out because property development's great for people's egos <laughs> and money, bank, and money, bank yeah. or not, not all developers. Uh, but sometimes <laughs> they get they get bust, but um, you know the ones that get it right, they tend to they have the houses on the beach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they got they got the best of both. They worlds, sell they. units and live in houses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So wouldn't you want to be selling a house, your house, to a property developer? Mm. Mm, or you know, be your own developer anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so interesting, really interesting statistic that yeah. I picked up, and um, yeah, it's just something to think about on the back end. Like another one that um, was thrown out there that uh, it was interesting, but it also paints a really positive picture. It was like units do grow in, ca- in, in capital growth, right? Like, and we're looking at, as you said, it's an individual unit, and there's so many variables, but um, the you know, if you can find a unit that's really scarce, then you get good capital growth out of that as well. You know, your issue is just that scarcity levels are not as high for units as are in houses. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, a good point um, from that uh, report as well was the profit levels. So I'll just read them out because they're actual numbers that yeah, great. today 97.8% of houses sold for a profit um, and 91.7% of units sold can, can resell it at a profit. So that's 7% difference. Yeah. So both still obviously profitable yeah. in that sense. That's but average around Australia. Yes. Okay. Yes. Cool. In, in the major capitals. Major capitals. Okay. So that's yeah, Sydney, Darwin, Melbourne, Adelaide. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Perth, Colorado, Wallop, Hobart, Brisbane. Gold Coast. Nah, Gold, Goldie's not a major capital. Goldie's pretty major soon. It's just like close just to major, isn't it? Well, Gold Coast is basically a... <laughs> it's Brisbane. Like People will look, oh, Brisbane, because you look at Sydney. Yeah. Like uh, People are living in Sydney, they go down to Cronulla. That's just like the same distance away from the city that is the Gold Coast. And it's, yeah. It's like, oh, Cronulla's part of Sydney. Yeah. And as a Gold Coast local... OG Gold Coast people. We don't want to be associated with, uh, I guess, Brisbane. <laughs> we love Brisbane, but it's just that, I guess, the, the rivalry that you have with your neighbour, where yeah. especially the football teams and everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's changing. Brisbane actually, um, so check out the plans and what they're actually building. It's going to be a pretty beautiful city in the uh, by the games in 2032. Mm, yeah, for sure, for sure. Anyway, there's, there's another statistic. Let's not give away too much investment advice around Brisbane. <laughs> nah, <laughs> yeah, joking, I like guys. It. I'm joking, guys. Obviously, you know, if you're smart, you know that Brisbane's going to go off. But... Yeah, it's already going off. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I was actually, I'm, I'm still like looking around Ipswich region. Like, I still see good growth yeah. in it. Yeah. And, oh, oh, you're happy. Put it that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I keep I thinking of you. Yeah. <laughs> I was speaking about that property uh, to my sister uh, just yesterday. Mm. Crazy what you can do in twelve months. It's it is. It's crazy. It's crazy. So 
let's um i want i do want to talk about we'll do this in, a, in our next pod episode um examples of uh, buying a home and buying investment property and what i was talking about with my sister i think that's pretty relevant yeah we'll do that on the next one next pod uh but for this pod let's keep going through these stats because i've got some more questions and more things that i want to sort of digest and, and process and help people go through as well and understand like what's what they should be doing with their property portfolio on right. houses versus units well another start which is um really important because also all the combined capital cities in australia over the last two decades uh, houses have grown 209 percent and units have grown 121 percent oh that's almost a double you mm. know houses have grown almost double than units yeah, okay. yeah. that's massive that's massive yeah once again aggregate data you know units houses you know they're more scarcity but um, another key factor to you know, factor into your thought making process and like i i say it always comes back to well you can recreate units that's why there's always that downward pressure stick to the scarcity levels and that's why for you know, for me personally i prefer houses over units mm -hmm. from a capital growth perspective mm -hmm. um there are certain strategies that i you know, prefer units and that is looking into growth locations within like, like say the Gold Coast, if you can find something you know close to the coastline, well built out in a small unit complex mm. that has that you know long term development potential. Development potential, keywords. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, because uh, you're getting decent cash flow out of it. Generally, mm -hmm. they have a higher cash flow than houses. Mm -hmm. uh, you're taking that strategy of waiting for a developer to come and pay you a premium, which does happen. Um, you just want to increase those opportunities by having as little units in that complex as possible and that land as large as possible. Yeah. So they, they do grow in, in certain circumstances you know, really quite well. Um, so they're typically those old unit blocks that are quite small on a large block of land. Yeah, walk right. up, no, like no real pool. Like eight, like what you call six it. to eight sort of units. Yeah, nothing, I like to try and too major. Hey, try and keep big. it around twelve or below. Okay, because it's just harder and harder to find now because all the smaller ones have been knocked over and built on. So. Yeah, especially <laughs> close to the beach. <laughs> yeah, so keep that in the back of your mind. I'm not you know, pro um, either or. It's just I, I chase the capital growth and the individual circumstance. If you're wanting to invest, but you have an affinity with a certain location, and for your first one, you might be not willing to go into a different state that's a good topic to talk about it's an interesting um, play but it also depends on budget as well so you know if you're looking at if you've got a broad budget and you can afford something that mm. um, is a house in mm. a similar location i'd be looking into that but um yeah there's different strategies for different people as it always is before we continue today's pod I want to ask you a few questions. What is your property investment goal? What type of properties do you want to own? How many? What size valuation property portfolio do you want to own? And how much net income do you want to be earning? Essentially, what's your magic number in passive income that you want to be earning? And do you know how to get there? And if you do, do you know how to get there in the least time possible with the least amount of risk? Sam and I have been helping people invest in property and build property portfolios for years. 
people who are now replacing their income through property and we want to help you do the same. Right now, for a limited time, we are offering free property coaching to our listeners. We won't be able to do this forever, of course, so head to propertypals.au forward slash coaching. That's propertypals.au forward slash coaching to see how we can help you achieve your investment property goals. Link will be in the description too. You mentioned the affinity of staying in a location that you are close to. Like, where, like, what goes through your head when somebody's like, yeah, I've got X amount of money, borrowing capacity, <laughs> and like, I want to buy in this area and my goal is as much capital growth. I don't care where the property is. You know, they say they don't care where the property is. They don't care what the type of the property is, but they just want full capital growth. And then they're like, yeah, but like, what about these areas that are close to me? And you're like, what goes through your head? Like, <laughs> yeah, good, good question. Good question. So, uh, because like, say somebody's got like 500 grand, you know, and they're like, yep, let's buy, let's buy something. Um, I'll, I'll do a case study for you because this is really relevant for um, a mate that I'm helping out at the moment. And well, it's relevant for so many of our mates. So, and your mates too that are listening is it's like, yeah. Yeah. So my, my strategy around that is um, you get certain benefits from okay, if you're willing to live in that property for 12 months or you can buy it and <clears throat> you want to be, you know, your principal place of residence right off, but then turn it, you want it to be an investment, yeah. you know, within that 12 month period. Is the capital gains tax. So what is that capital gains tax like savings? Well, you don't, if you buy it under your, Principal as your principal place of residence. Yeah, you know, you live in it for twelve months, then you rent it out. That's now an investment property, but you've got the the six year tax ruling where you don't get any capital gains tax on that property. So you can hold that for six years and sell it. And it, not it, pay any capital gains. Tax. Yeah, from when you rent it out and to sell it, so you can hold it for this whole total of seven years and sell that thing and mm -hmm. only have lived in it for twelve months, mm -hmm. and you get all the tax write off because it's an investment property. Mm -hmm. and, general advice, speak to your accountant. Mm. Um, <laughs> and then you also don't have the capital gains component when you go to sell it in that in that seven-year time frame. So you don't need to perform as well on a capital growth perspective because you're not ha you don't have that tax component of your portfolio. And then even after those you know, seven years, six years when you've held it, just get the valuation. If you, and then obviously come up and chat to me because then I'd assess, well, where's that current market at? Because into other areas and what's your opportunity cost of investing somewhere else, right? Yeah. With that money that you could get because there might that's where you have to weigh up the costs of do I hold it or not? Yes, 100%. So that's the key point that I'd be looking at units in your area because you there's the benefits. You can get stamp duty relief. You can get um, you know, the, there's the super saver scheme where you can pump money into your super, pull that out and use that as a deposit. There's a lot of benefits to get people into property from the government perspective because they know. Moment. Yeah, and that's always changing. Um, but that's a really good strategy I just throw out there. Um, it to, is good. Like what our mate's doing is, is smart, right? He's you know if he sells it in six years and can get into a hot a different different area, like mm. great. What what about if they hold it? Decide to hold it for longer than six to seven years, or say longer than six years? Uh, then is it? 50% capital gains tax or is it a full capital so gains on, tax? So on that period of um, six years, from when you say you've, you moved out six years later, get a valuation done on that day because if you go to say sell it in four years' time, 
So the total hold period you've had on that property is 10 to 11 years. You're only paying the capital gains component from that last four years. Great. So by getting that value. And that's full capital gains tax on the last four years of growth. Yeah. And when you're talking to the valuer who's going through and valuing it, make sure they do a high valuation. So yeah. you have less capital gains tax on the back end. Call up Sam Powell. <laughs> One of our mates' names Charles. Call yeah. Up. He'll hook you up. <laughs> We've got to get Charles on the pod, actually. Oh, yeah. He's, 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 he's listening to this, Charles. He's, he's coming for you. He's camera shy. But, yeah. I drove past his house yesterday and saw his boat. I was like, oh, damn, we haven't had him on the pod yet. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're good with that. I'm, yeah. I'm a terrible networker. <laughs> As if you're way better at networking than me. <laughs> yeah, anyway. <laughs> Um, so there, there's, there's a bit of a free strategy I thought I'd just throw out there, but um, That's great. It, it, and once again, I caveat that with I see a lot of good growth potential coming into the Gold Coast in the next few years. Therefore, I'm confident that that is a great area opportunity for that person's particular budget yeah. and um, what they're trying to achieve. So yeah. that ticks that box. Um, that was a long way of going about it but yeah Yeah. Um, but that's a yeah okay so let's get back to the unit let's get back to the unit um houses conversation and stats yeah well they're they're the main stats that sort of paint that picture that houses statistically grow better than houses um, than units and in my experience they do and it all comes down to personally land is scarce finite we can't build any more of it in australia um unless you're building out you know, islands and things like that, which they do, but very rare, very expensive. So point being is they're not, yeah, not able to create more land, but people, you know, desirable, they want to live on a bit of land, have a bit of space. Yep. Um, the unit component, yeah, you can knock down that one house and build 50 units. Okay, cool. That means that your scarcity levels are really low. Mm-hmm. So historically, that aspirational house is where people want to be. And if you... Mm-hmm. You see the progression over time. The wealthy people tend to want to live, have that little bit of security um, and have, have a bit of land, have multiple bedrooms. And also from a strategic point of view, when you jump into that next, I guess, wealth bracket, you can store a lot of your value in your principal place of residence and have no, got no tax implications. They don't look at that for any... Um, Benefit funding, as an example, if you're retired um, and you're wanting to get the pension, mm-hmm. they won't assess your principal place of residence. Mm-hmm. So you could live in a $10 million principal place of residence, mm-hmm. all debt-free, but if you've got you know, no other income coming through, you can be eligible for pensions. So a yep. um, little strategic play there for, to like future-proofing, and that's why working with good accountants and having those questions that start making you think, you know, what's the next 10 years? Because you're going to be here in 10 years, 20 years, 30 yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. Um, so think that way. Yeah, so it, it really comes down to houses are growing uh, typically more because of there's less supply and more demand for them than, say, units. If we're just going to sort of conclude all of that data, Uh, that's very broad then it comes to the question sam of like all right well do i just buy as many houses for my property portfolio as i can and then at what time do i get stuck with houses and not much cash flow from them (laughs) so yeah somebody that wants to get to 100k passive income in 10 years and they're starting from day dot uh when do you add a 
unit in? Oh, good question. Um, generally, not. <laughs> cool. All right, why? Well, as we just spoke about, if you want the best capital growth, you go. What if you get to year eight and you're like, oh, I've got some houses growing and you've got 80% LBR on most of them, you haven't paid down too much of them? Well, then you, if you're looking at like a, you know, you, you're taking a little bit more risk for the potential return. So then you'd be looking at, well, let's go shopping around for, you know, those unit sites that have yeah. that developed potential where, you know, it's a little bit, it could be a bit more of a lifestyle play or an Airbnb cash flow play. Um, and, you know, you are, you know, the, the strategy is to go in to sit on it for 10 years to, for a developer to come knocking and pay you that 100 to 200K premium. Mm -hmm. Or I think it was about ten percent premium generally what it runs off. Mm. So it's like, well, if that's the case. Um, you, know, you don't want to bank on that, right? Because that might—that's an event that may never happen. Um, whereas, you, if you've got that track record, you've got a few houses in your portfolio, you've got a bit of commercial, you've got good cash flow, and then you're sitting there going, "Well, I'm a little bit, a little bit bored. <laughs> you know, I want to buy again." And um, mm -hmm. you might, you know, really love an area and. It's more of an, uh, like, okay, cool, well, let's have a look at this unit. It, it hits that target in your strategy, which is a 5% income and a, you know, we're targeting at least a 6 to 7% capital growth rate. Mm -hmm. If the data is suggesting that, then absolutely, let's jump in. Mm -hmm. um, there's been scenarios where houses grow so much faster and units have that lag period. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking at the data, that's when I look at it and go, houses. well, Houses are kicked, and then, like, in order to get into this location, you need two million bucks. But you can buy a unit here for 500 grand, that doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah. that is good value. That's when you shift into the well, let's be a, a unit investor. And if you're being the unit investor, I'm talking duplexes, maybe a townhouse in a small complex or a detached villa in a small complex where not a 50 story walk up. No, that's yeah, definitely not. not walk up. I mean, you don't walk up with your story, but you know what I mean. 50 story high rise. Yeah, it all comes down to scarcity. So you go, houses are the most scarce. Houses on bigger land are most are more scarce. Mm -hmm. And then houses, and then um, duplex because you've got two mm -hmm. townhouses because you can have you know, a couple. And then units and small complexes of six to 12 is generally the preference. Um, and then you go into, well, there's no point in buying it into a medium rise or a high rise because it's too modern. The depreciation of the improvements are much greater than the appreciation of the land. Yep. So that's working against you. Cool. So let's just say the average average Joe uh, that comes to you guys and you're like, yeah, we want to get you that 100K passive income in 10 years' time. What is their buying strategy look like over those 10 years and what sort of assets are they buying are they is the average person just going yeah i'm just going to buy a house every two years and they buy five of them or when do they chuck a unit in or like what's the average sort of property portfolio journey look like over a 10-year period uh for an average person for an average person though you break it down 100 grand um in a year uh, if you're looking at that's what, two grand a week from yep. looking at that, yep. So if you're, if you're looking at that, that's four houses renting at five hundred bucks a week, debt yeah. free, debt free. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that's your accumulation phase. Um, so 
I like to look at that and go, well, those four houses will get you to that 100K passive. But if you're leveraging up to an 80 to 9% LVR, you're not going to be able to pay all that debt down within a 10-year period. So you're going to have to accelerate it by going into a commercial play uh, or a high-income play. So yes. that could be, when I say commercial, mainly around the commercial loan structures that um, cover it, which they obviously cover those industrial um, properties, mm-hmm. um, office, retail, the rooming house accommodation where you've got four or five um, micro apartments where yeah. people are paying your rent. Uh, and then you've got the unit complexes. So you can buy, say, a, a, a row of four townhouses. So you own the whole site, mm-hmm. but then you've got four properties and they're giving you a higher income. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, all, that strategy really depends on where you're at in the current market cycle mm-hmm. uh, because they perform differently. Everything ebbs and flows, um, which is the best asset for, for your portfolio at the time. And then and there's all you can get in borrowing capacity as well for yeah. a commercial because there's, I mean, commercial, different kettle of fish than residential. It's, you know, you need a far, it's a far higher barrier to entry in terms of needing like 40% of the property price in sort of cash mm. for purchasing, deposit, and uh, entry costs. And that's the whole idea because, like, because commercially you you require that high deposit rate, mm. um, the foundations of your portfolio start with residential. They're the emotional buyer. They are the one that, because there is scarcity in these areas and the data helps us put um, points you into the right location so you're getting that good kicker at the very start of your portfolio, that's what's going to help you. So it's not you constantly putting cash into your portfolio every single day um, to pay down your debt. Um, and to have that big enough deposit to go the commercial route and you're just refinancing, pulling that equity out in, say, year 10, using that deposit, going into your commercial, and then that helps with the um, the cash flow requirement because uh, commercial generally sits around, at the moment, 6 to 8% on a net yield basis. Um, Historically, they were up around the ten, but you know, from a income rate, that's that pays like the, all your outgoings pay for by the tenant. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, on a million dollar purchase. If you buy that, that requires a deposit of say three hundred to four hundred k. Then it's even at a six percent net yield, that's giving you sixty grand a year. So it's yeah, um, it's best to work it off conservatively, right? Like even like a year ago, people were looking at five percent net yield. Yeah, that's crazy, Don. Yeah, I mean, you can still do like when I do my calculations, I'm hoping to just get a five percent net yield, and if I get six, I'm winning. You know, like it's right. an extra ten grand in my pocket a year. I wouldn't let you buy a five. Oh, oh the, if it's really like it depends on the risk, right? Like you, yeah. if you're going into medical, then they generally run a lot lower. I don't want risk. Well, then yeah, you're yeah. going. I'm happy to take less money than risk. I guess. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I just don't want risk. <laughs> There's always risk in investing, Jared. There is, there is. I'd like to take the least amount of risk. Yeah, but yeah, the least risky are the ones that run on because the, the yields, it's <laughs> going into many tangents, but the, yield, yeah. the yields are based off risk in my in my head because yeah. people are willing to pay more for an asset to get less of an income because of the risk involved. Yeah. So you definitely see those places like chemists run on a really low yield, um, yeah. sort of medical because... You think about it from the economic cycle of a country. 
if we go down to like recessionary periods, which uh, historically is always there, mm-hmm. um, people pull back on their discretionary spending. And medical is something that people don't pull back on because it's your, your health. health is your wealth. Yeah. And also they want to stay in those locations, uh, medical, because you know where the chemist is. If you need it, you just go there. But like you don't want your local chemist changing every single time because like, damn, like I need something. I don't know where to go. Yeah. Right. Well, so like that's why those leases are better and those medical centers and chemists will hold those leases longer. Yeah. Well, I'm also thinking <laughs> chemist warehouse have like an online situation yeah, now where you can just point, point. like, damn, that's why industrial and storage and warehouse is really interesting play at the moment. You can't, you can't just, I mean, maybe you will have dentists come to you, but I doubt that's going to be dentists. Very, yeah. Yeah, no, you need all, that's a good point. Dentists are good. You need the chairs. Yeah, I like dentists. You need the stuff, right? Yeah, imagine a dentist just coming with a van. Could be. Oh, I could. That's a business idea. That's a business idea, guys. (laughs) All right. Would you trust a dentist in a van? (laughs) I don't know. Convenient. It's convenient, but like. Well, check his Google reviews. It's not going to be the nicest experience, is it? Just sit in the back of a van. Anyway, nobody likes, most people don't like going to dentists. So So what are we talking about? Yeah. Nah, um, conclusion. Conclusion yeah. is properties uh, for houses uh, have a higher growth rate. Um, so if you want higher growth rate, go for properties. If you want cash flow, go for units. Oh, no, that's not my conclusion. Okay, what's your conclusion? My conclusion is if you want good capital growth, take the lower risk, find a house. Um, but if you are pondering, well, I, you know, that, that classic strategy I mentioned, which is, you know, you can buy the unit in that location that you're more, you know, strong, a strong affinity towards. I would advise against it until I've seen the data set to mm-hmm. understand whether that's the best use of your capital. Because even if you go down that strategy, you know, what if that location does nothing in that 10 year period? Then you would have been better investing into a different location mm-hmm. um, and actually getting that capital growth, selling down that asset, paying that capital gains tax if you if you may, and then going into your into another location to be more of a proactive investor. And a, a classic example, which at a really um, interesting meeting this week actually with one of Australia's leading um, data analysts, and there's a suburb in Berry, New South Wales, B E R R Y. Check it out. Ooh. The dropping some, <laughs> dropping some secrets on the pod. Now. No, you, you don't know what you don't know. Once you understand by looking at the data, you like and the historical performance. You're like, holy crap! Like it is life changing stuff. So yeah, yeah. this location, Berry, Berry, New South Wales. Go on realestate.com. Go into the, the suburb report. See the growth rate from 29, 2019 to 2020 or 2021, 2019, 2020 period to the 20. 20 to 2021 period mm. they measured it in july anyway it went from a house price meaning of 1.4 million dollars to 2.38 in 12 months wow that's a million dollars in capital growth in a year mm. it's, it's, that's life-changing stuff and that's yeah. like it, it happens more more often than you think mm. um but that, that there's obviously a really great example so i wouldn't expect you know that that, that level of return but i mean Different locations around Australia that we're buying, and even in like, I mean, we paid what four fifty five for yours. That was twelve months, nearly twelve months ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's gone up, God, easy twenty five percent since when we bought that. Yeah. And so it's like, 
similar growth rates because 1.4 to 2.38, that's looking at a 50% growth rate over 12 months, which is phenomenal. But It's a great, I'm glad you mentioned all of that because I, I think it's a great way to wrap up the pod is, guys, before you invest, understand your opportunity cost and weigh up, do you go for a house or do you go for a unit? based on your borrowing capacity and what the opportunity cost is or where you can invest that in Australia in, in a higher growth location or mm. yeah because yeah. if you're gonna buy for if you're gonna buy a unit you still want growth right yeah. yeah get out of your get out of your head don't think local think you know there's a big there's a whole nation you can invest in and um, there's people that specialize in putting you in the low, right locations and you just got to know who to talk to so reach out, hello at propertypals.au. I'd love to have a chat and make sure that you're getting out of this rat race or the you know, heading towards the lifestyle that you want. See you in the next one. See ya.